0: Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International.
1: Well, welcome to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. Uh, I serve as the Connections pastor at Journey. It's always great to host a podcast with Pastor Christian. And we're starting a, a new series in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus and what are what are known as the Beatitudes, Uh, The first message is called The King and His Crowd, or crowds, and I know, Pastor Christian, from talking to you and from hearing you from stage, you're really excited to teach through the book of Matthew, what you said, maybe up to a year of of teaching through it. Uh, Here's the series' premise, to learn the ways of Jesus so we can live life like Jesus as followers of Jesus. That's kind of a little tongue twister there, live life like Jesus as followers of Jesus. As we... Jump into the message as always. We really want to help activate some people in their faith today. Um, as we start this message series in the book of Matthew, Pastor Christian, can you can you help our audience understand the series premise and what you hope to accomplish in the hearts of people through this series?
0: Yeah. So Gandhi said, um, "Show me a Christian that act like Christ, and I will consider becoming one." And we quoted in our message Will Durant, famous historian on. Kind of fig- historical figures who made a difference in their era, and he said Jesus undoubtedly stands out above others as having the most powerful and permanent influence on the thought of mankind throughout history. However, his teachings have not had a corresponding effect on man's actions, which means we love what he says, we just haven't implemented those in our lives. And as Gandhi would say, I love what he said, I just don't see anyone who follows him who really acts like that. So. The purpose of this series in this season of life in 2020 is we've been praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ryan, what we need is Jesus. We need Jesus to walk among us. We need the heart of Jesus among us. We need the hands of Jesus among us. We need the temperament of Jesus among us. We need the the servant leadership of Jesus among us. We need the meekness or the controlled strength of Jesus among us. Um, we need the humility of Jesus among us. We could, we could go right down the Beatitudes, and we will over the next ten weeks. What our world needs, what my heart needs, what my what my family, what my home needs, what I desire in our church, is just people living in the way of Jesus. Uh, and we're hoping that Matthew will help us do that. The Sermon on the Mount is the King's manifesto, which will. Get to as we talk through this, but a new king with a new way of teaching when he finished teaching at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 7, which we probably will not get to around until around Easter of next year. We'll teach the Beatitudes through Thanksgiving, and then we'll jump back into Matthew 1, 2, and 3 uh, over Christmas in a series called God With Us. Um, and then in January, we'll we'll pick back up halfway through Matthew chapter 5, and we'll continue through the Sermon on the Mount. But when Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, people looked at each other and said, we've never heard anyone teach like this with the authority that they have and tell people to live in this way of life. And that's that's what we're trying. We're, we're trying to learn the way of Jesus so we can live like Jesus, as followers of Jesus, because we think that will make the world see the light of Jesus and say, we've never really seen anyone live with spiritual authority and power and connection and fulfillment like
1: this help us understand more and then we'll, we'll get to tell them about jesus so as you're listening um, those listening wherever you're at to this series premise keep keep letting this reign in your heart and in your minds and asking yourself this question am i living life like jesus so that'll be what we'll be looking at uh, throughout this series the key question in and, the, I, and yeah. forgive me for interrupting yeah. you,
0: but Ryan. so So I listen to that question as a listener, right? I listen to the podcast every week to try to learn, to try to do better, to try to be better for our listeners. So you're asking that question, you know, as a listener, ask yourself, do you really live? So as I'm listening to you ask that question, I'm listening through the filter of my boyhood, teenage, college experience, Christian self and thinking I didn't learn much about living like Jesus. I mean, I learned like a big, a a list of a big 10, like what not to do, but man, I heard more sermons about not drinking and smoking and cussing and having sex than I did about the Beatitudes. I learned things not to do more than ways my heart should be shaped to live and breathe and move and think like Jesus. So maybe our listeners are thinking that they're thinking, you know, do I live like Jesus? They're thinking, well, I don't x list and it's like no 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 the beatitudes are not don't do this don't do this don't do this don't do this it is blessed or happy blessed and happy and fulfilled are you when you live with these heart attitudes which are the same heart attitudes jesus approached the world with and i think that's going to be the revolutionary teaching of this series is that as we watch jesus we're going to try to do what he did rather than not do what he didn't which is the difference between Legalism and righteousness—it's the difference, you know, be, between between grace and rules and law. Um, and and I think it's something that can be freeing to our people, and at the
1: same time, massively fulfilling to them and impactful to our world. I think that's a great clarification. I, I appreciate you you stopping and clarifying that. It's also why we, for volunteers, for team leaders, we have a set of leadership values. We hope people aim to live like, not a, hey, if you're going to serve, don't do these 12 things or you're kicked out. I mean, we strive to be contagious passion. Let's strive to be life-giving, because we knew Jesus was these things. Yeah,
0: although in a moment of total transparency, we had a list of, don't do these 12 things. And really, it was our leaders who'd been with us nearly a decade who came back and said, this doesn't seem to be the spirit of our church and our culture and our teaching you know, we, we preach one way but this document is is feels a little more legalism Legalistic, than yeah. righteousness should we change it and it was you know what absolutely you you are absolutely right the heart and spirit we want to have is live like Jesus not don't do what you never saw him not do it's live yeah. with the hard attitudes of Jesus
1: so we're we're growing and learning and hopefully our people can grow and learn as we move through this series, Amen. I think they will as they uh, tune in, not only to the messages but to the podcast. The key question in life that you mention uh, in your in your message, "Who is Jesus?" You you then go on to lay out the beginning chapters of the Book of Matthew and our introduction to Jesus. What what further uh, can you help the people understand about what we see of Jesus in those first four chapters of Matthew, from from what he was called to what to, to what he said,
0: so Matthew, four four men wrote ministry biographies about the life and ministry, and death and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's was very specifically written to the Jewish people, who would have who would have lived a life steeped in Jewish tradition in 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 Judaism as a religion, uh, in Israeli and in Jewish history. So you know Matthew. Quotes the Old Testament more than Mark, Luke, and John combined. In um, Matthew's Matthew sets out to prove. I mean the first the first verse of Matthew is this is the story of the Messiah. Now you've got everyone's attention in in Jerusalem two thousand years ago, and and you should honestly. And in Jerusalem today, I mean in Israel today, they're still they're still waiting for this messianic figure. Some waiting for a messianic age, but that that's an attention grabber. This is the genealogy of the Messiah. Okay. Um, That is the promised savior of the world to come. The son of Abraham. Okay. This is the guy in Genesis 12. God told Abraham, you're going to bless the whole world through this guy, the son of David, which means he's a part of the Royal promise that we find in, in, uh, in uh, second Samuel chapter seven. When God promises David, he's going to have a throne that endures forever into all eternity. Um, By the time you say those words, this is the Messiah, son of Abraham, son of David, you got my attention. Um, And then in Matthew chapter 2, he actually calls him the king of the Jews. He does it through the voice of foreign dignitaries, the Magi, who say, we heard the king of the Jews was born. So now, again, now he's really got their attention because foreign dignitaries who studied the skies and Scripture together to read the signs of the times are saying, hey, we heard this guy may have been born. Um, in Matthew chapter 3, we we see him as the anointed one of God, God's son. Daniel promised that one like the Son of God would come. He'd be known as the Son of Man, and now here's Jesus as he's baptized, a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's literally anoint, bodily anointed with the Holy Spirit from heaven. He is the anointed one of Israel now that the Old Testament promises. And then in Matthew chapter 4, we see him being the enemy of Satan, In Satan's kingdom of the world, which takes us back to Genesis chapter three, where God says to Satan directly, someone's going to be born who's going to be your spiritual enemy, but he's going to crush you. I mean, Matthew takes all the great promises of the Old Testament. And in the first four chapters, he said, Jesus is this one, this one, this one, and this one. Um, If you've ever gone to like a a carnival, um, you know, we we in my small town of Bainbridge, Ohio, growing up, the carnival would come through every year. The third week of October, we would have what's called the Fall Festival of Leaves as the leaves were changing. I went to a high school called Paint Valley because the Indians had named it, uh, generations earlier, the Painted Valley because of the, the way the trees would change colors. If you've been to Branson, it's like that. Probably, probably times three. It's just beautiful. Um, so the carnival would roll into town, what we would call the carnies, um, would roll into town and they would have these little games. And, you know, one of, one of the little games was, um, you know, they'd have these little clowns and you'd get to throw four balls. And if you can knock down four clowns, you know, you get the biggest stuffed animal. If you knock down one, you get a goldfish. If you knock down two, maybe, a you know, something else. But if you knock down all four, Matthew sets up the four pillars of Old Testament promises. Um, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the son of God, um, the spiritual enemy and defeater of Satan. And then one at a time in Matthew 2, 3, and 4, that one, that one, that Jesus is all of these things. And then he ends Matthew chapter four with Jesus' only public statement of ministry. Matthew one, Jesus doesn't speak. Matthew two, Jesus doesn't speak. Matthew three, he speaks to John the Baptist. Matthew four, he says five verses, all of them private except the sixth verse, which is one message, repent for the kingdom of God is near. So Matthew and Matthew one through four says, the king, the king we've been waiting for our entire life is here. And all he said so far is this, his kingdom's here. And in Matthew chapter five, let's hear about it. And Jesus opens up his mouth and he begins to teach. So the Jewish people would have been riveted. The king is finally here. And he said he brought his kingdom with him. What does it look like? And Jesus begins to teach. This is the way of the king and the kingdom spiritually. um, And what comes out of his mouth is the sermon on the mount. And then what flows through the rest of the book of Matthew.
1: It's it's a great setup to the next question I had which you know you mentioned a long-promised and long-awaited for king, uh, a long awaited and much needed kingdom. Can you help some people understand an important point? Uh at the at the time of Jesus the Jewish people would have been waiting for their spiritual king or as they call him the Messiah as you mentioned, they would have leaned in for thousands of years. They'd been waiting on their Messiah. He comes and many of them then and most of them now reject Jesus as their Messiah. Can, can you explain the significance of that and, and why our partnership with groups in Israel is so important?
0: Well, 2,100 years without re-preaching the whole sermon, 2,100 years before Jesus was born, God promised a man named Abraham he would have a land, uh, a people that would live in a land, and they would have kings that that would rule the world. Um, Those promises weren't fulfilled until much later. 700 years later, Joshua would lead a conquest into the land, and a a people would have a land. 400 years later, um, they would have a king, and for 120 years, they would have a united monarchy under Saul and David, Solomon. Then there would be a civil war, the kingdom of Judah split from the kingdom of Israel um, in 930 uh, B.C., uh, within four hundred years five eighty six b c so four hundred and fifty years three hundred fifty years um it it would have it would have all fallen apart and now the land is gone the kings are gone um the people of Israel the northern kingdom of Israel have been scattered everywhere the people have been of Judah have been taken exile uh been taken exile to Babylon, which then becomes persia so uh, you know with within you know twenty one hundred years before a promise is made, seven hundred years. Later, that promise begins to be fulfilled. Nine hundred years later, it's fulfilled completely, and then a hundred years after that it all falls apart. Um, and the land and the king were never it they were never theirs again. So in 538 BC, when Cyrus says go home, he said you can go live in that land, but it's mine now, and you can have a king. Um so for the the, the previous five hundred and fifty years before Jesus came on the scene, the people had no land, they had no king. And they thought the way back was a king who would reestablish the land, who would physically defeat all the enemies, and then they would start over. They would start over from where Solomon left off. Peace in the land with a king and a temple, and they didn't realize that the temple would come first, but it would be a person, his name would be Jesus, not a building, and the and the peace in the kingdom would be an internal before it was external. Um, and the enemies that the Messiah was going to defeat were all going to be spiritual enemies before they were going to be physical enemies. So they just missed him. Um, they, they just missed because these four dominant parties in Israel, you know, kind of the, the four religious parties had kind of they figured out what part of the Jewish faith worked for them. For the Pharisees, it was the word. It gave them control for the Sadducees. It was kind of the promises of of power and political control for the Essenes. It was it was community and purity for the zealots. Um, It was it was the thought of a homeland and enemies being defeated. So they all kind of said, hey, here's the thing we're passionate about. These verses fit what we need. And they kind of had their passion. They had their promises. And the person of Jesus, the suffering servant, Messiah, who would teach a series like the Beatitudes um, didn't really fit into their equation because it did not give them what they wanted. It gave them what they needed, spiritual freedom, spiritual transformation, a, a connection with God again, a homeland in heaven, not just in the Middle East. Um, but but they missed because they were looking for a conquering king that would set up a physical land rather than a suffering servant who would first take over the area of a person's heart and eventually take the land um, that would be his, and then eventually recreate the whole world, which we think will happen one day in the end times. Um, but they missed him then, and and now they miss him now. The Apostle Paul in Romans says it's it's because um, God has allowed their hearts to be completely hardened for a time so that Gentiles, like you and me and the people who are coming to faith at Journey, who who are not of Jewish, Jewish ancestry, um, might know this times of the Gentiles, might know who Jesus is. Uh, but even God's going to use that to provoke the Jewish people to a jealousy over, wait a minute, that's, that's our Messiah, um, to get their attention of who Jesus is. And when you look at our ministry partners in the land, Beit Eliyahu, um, the house of Elijah in Haifa, um, just one relationship at a time through Jewish culture, through Jewish faith, introducing people to the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, um, and tents of uh, mercy uh, with Pastor Eton and Pastor Avi Shalom, uh, doing the same thing, serving the Jewish people, um, mostly during the high Jewish holidays, trying to meet um, the needs of people who want to live and practice, uh, live in the Holy Land and practice um, parts of Jewish faith, they they introduce all of those through the lens of of here here's who here's who the Messiah is. Um, we talk when we take trips to Israel that um, Jewish people are not converted to Christianity; they are completed. Um, to Christianity, um, it, you know, it's not it's not like you leave the Jewish faith. You you actually you complete the Jewish faith with the Jewish Messiah. You don't have to convert from Judaism to be a Christian. You complete your Judaism with faith in a Jewish Messiah um, t- to to become a follower of Yeshua, of Jesus, of of the Jewish Messiah. Which is Matthew says who, who he, Matthew says that's who he is. Here is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, yeah. the son
1: of Abraham the the son of david. Great uh explanation. I know a lot of people have that question from time to time. What what about the Jews? Do they need Jesus? And yes, what a, what a great explanation of helping them understand they're completed Jews when they accept yes. Jesus as their Messiah. Yeah. Um I think we share a love of history. Um, from the back to the future, uh, future segment of your message, you lay out two thousand years of history. You've kind of walked through it a little bit before Jesus. What part of that Jewish history are you most fascinated with, or or what from any of those time periods could you share some more information that oh, would help our gosh. listeners? so it would
0: be a long podcast if okay, i, give share, us a couple if I shared <laughs>
1: yeah if i
0: shared everything about everything i th- i think for me so the intertestamental period right so the jewish people return from so w- we so we know about the end of the old testament the end of the the hebrew bible some 538 king cyrus um in persia releases not just the jews but when you study secular history cyrus ruled over 127 provinces from Eastern India, really to West Africa and all of the Middle East, he he wanted in all 127 provinces any temple to any god who might have really been God. He wanted a temple built to them, and he wanted those people to pray for him. Um, so he had this, um, he had this deistic belief that if there is a God, I want His favor. So he told all these people, all tribes, all languages, go build, go build your temple and pray for me. The Jews were one of those. So from five, th- so we we have biblical history from five thirty eight BC until about four forty five BC. Um, Esther is in four eighty ish. Ezra is in four fifty eight. Nehemiah four forty five, and then we get to the four thirties or so, and we have no scriptural. John the Baptist shows up saying. Jesus is coming. So we got these 400 years where where the scene is set for Jesus to become a king that would gather attention. Because remember, there would not been a king in Israel since uh, since I think it was um, King Jehoiakim, uh, the C-H-I-M. Um, his brother Jehoiakim was before him. He came after when he was pulled off the throne in Israel and taken to Babylon in probably 5 not, 597 I think BC is when he was taken Daniel was taken in 605 um probably Ezra and um Jehoiakin 597 586 Jeremiah was shipped to Egypt I love history so I, t- yeah, I told you I love, no, I guess, I'm laughing I guess, here cuz I'm yeah, not like, trying to find his notes Yeah, like, like no I, notes here he's yeah, just this We, is could, all, we the could go all we could go all day head. right so we so we know, we know a little bit of that story Nehemiah comes back builds the walls and then everything goes away. But there's been no king in Israel. There's been no king in Israel since 597. So here we are in 30 AD, and all of a sudden we have a rise again of kings, right? So when when Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, when they all come home, the the people in Persia say, mm, we don't know that we want the royal line to be kings because y'all could try to set up your country again. So they let the high priest be in charge. So the so the high priestly family was in charge for a really long time in Israel, hundreds of years. So the Persians are wiped out eventually by Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great sets up this massive kingdom, and for some reason, the Jewish people have favor with Alexander the Great. He allows them to practice their Jewish religion. He actually um, he allows them to to observe all their festivals: Passover, Pentecost, um, Sukkot. He he allows them to celebrate all their festivals. He actually builds a city in northern Africa called Alexandria, named after him, Alexander the Great. And he, allow, he, he ships Jewish scholars there to study Judaism and to figure out how to, um, how to teach it in the Hellenistic world. So in this, in this two or 300-year period, they take all of Hebrew Judaism and they translate it to a Hellenistic Greek because Alexander the Great says, I'm interested in this laying the foundation for the global spread of Christianity, because by then the whole world speaks Greek, but now the whole Old Testament is in Greek for the first time, a a language that the whole world understands. And when you see the rise of this, Alexander the Great is defeated. His kingdom is divided between four generals, um, north, south, east, and west. For the longest time, the area of Palestine, Syria, was controlled by the general in Egypt. He didn't care much about Israel, so he said, you guys can do whatever you want. About 200 years before Jesus was born, the general in Syria took over the, the, the area of Palestine. He hated the Jews. He tried to eliminate them all. And at that point, one of the high priests, the Maccabean family, rose up, defeated him. Um, and they started doing temple worship again. That's where we get the holiday of Hanukkah from, the, the miraculous when they finally defeated the Syrian general. And so we're going we're to we're celebrate one of our feasts. They had enough oil for one night, but they tried to do a seven-day festival. And the oil that was supposed to last one night, I think lasted seven or ten days. And the, the Festival of Lights, Festival of Hanukkah, um, now now celebrates that. That's, that's what that tradition is. Um, but out of that came when Rome then came and conquered kind of that, f- that four-square um, Greek empire that had fallen apart. Rome saw Jerusalem kind of functioning with high priest and political class and said, all right, y'all can do your own things. And they even set up vassal Kings. So this is where King Herod comes in. You got to realize like the people of Israel had not had a King since Jehoiakim, who was, who was taken to Babylon and now they got a King King Herod, but he doesn't care about the people of Israel. Uh, he doesn't care about the religion of Israel. He really worships Rome. Rome uses him. So the people of Israel who would have been right there. I mean, for 600 years, they've been looking forward to a king again. Now they have one, and it's like, he's not a real one. He is, he's hes just a puppet king of Rome. Um, so their letdown in the period of King Herod really gets them ready for King Jesus because looking for a king, looking for a king, looking for a king, we got one, wrong one. And now here's Jesus and Matthew saying he's the real king, and you do have a group of people desiring inward change who said, All right, we had a rich, powerful king. That guy didn't really work. I mean, Herod was crazy. Um, So maybe a poor, lowly king is worth listening to. So it set the stage for the hearts to be soft for the people to hear Jesus. And I think sometimes because we don't understand all that intertestamental uh, ministry and history and the battles and and how Jerusalem fought to stay alive— and then experienced a, a king, but simply a political king who had no, he, he had no connection to the throne of David. He was Idumian, which means he, he was um, he, he was a mixed race king, part Edomite, part Israelite. Um, like, no one would, like, you could not write, this is the genealogy of Herod, son of Abraham, son of David, because he wasn't Jewish, and he went from the line of David. So when the story of Jesus comes, like, just... Everything is perfect from a global language developed in Alexandria, Egypt, from the the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures translated from Hebrew and the Koine Greek, so the whole world could have them. Most of the world at the time of Jesus was reading the old, the Hebrew Bible in the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, rather than the the Hebrew Old Testament that they had. Um, so when the Apostle Paul and people came preaching about the the Messiah of the world and beginning to unpack some. Old Testament history. That, oh, yeah, we we know that. We read that. That's in our language. God set the stage of world history perfect for the Messiah to step in and become the king of the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a couple of thoughts. Yeah. One, you love history way more than I yeah. do. <laughs> two, this is what it looks like when someone is in their gifting, meaning we have a growth track right now. Right. And one of the goals is for people to understand how they're gifted. Right. And step two of the growth track is... We have people take a spiritual gifts test, and so, folks, you just saw someone using their spiritual gifts to lay out some really great stuff that'll help people as they grow. So, a uh, plug for Growth Track. We'd love for you to be a part of that during the nine thirty or the eleven o'clock hour. Yeah, and your- it's,
0: and Ryan, I mean, I, and God is really good, and I I do believe He's gifted me. But remember, in 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 the first blank of the Growth Track, when you say, "How do I discover my purpose?" It's gifts and passions. Yeah, right. So I was. I was in school to be a history teacher. Yeah. Before God called me to ministry. So what I just did, passion. Yeah. Because I did it spiritually with gifting. Yeah. Um those those two things go together. So you don't you don't lose what you love. You just figure out how to redeem it and use it for you put it in the bucket you pass through the narrow gate, he gives it back to you and says, "Now you're going to teach spiritual history." Go. Absolutely. Um but yeah, if I, discovering your design and leaning into it. Awesome if you're listening. And you say man I'd like to know more about that any su- any Sunday stop by our growth track process we'll we'll get you in we'll get you in that pipeline and I and I believe you'll find who God created you to be
1: yep uh, last question uh Pastor Christian you concluded with how various old testament heroes Noah, Abraham, Moses you gave a few with with an open heart met with God on a mountainside uh, where where has the the mountainside been for you, and why does God seem to utilize these mountainside experiences? Yeah, so God met
0: Noah on Mount Ararat. He met Abraham um, on Mount Moriah, Mount Moriah, as they call it in Israel. He met Moses on Mount Sinai. He met um, David on Mount Zion. He met Elijah um, on Mount Carmel. You know, I mean, on and on. Right? God is is meeting people on on top of the mountains. In here we read, they, they came to the mountainside and sat down and, and they met Jesus. Um, when I think of the mountainside places in my life, for me, the, one of the biggest ones, probably laying the foundation of my faith, was Crawfordsville, Indiana. Um, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp that I went to every summer from 7th grade to 12th grade, um, combining my love of sports in my love of Jesus and helping me really understand who Jesus was and teaching me what a quiet time was and teaching me how to read my Bible and teaching me how to tell my friends about Jesus and teaching me how to leverage my athletic gifts, um, for, you know, for, for evangelism in a public school. Um, that's a huge one for me. Liberty university where God called me to ministry, um, is obviously a, a huge one for me, South Korea, Um, you know, full gospel church in Seoul, South Korea, where God called us to start our church, is obviously a massive one for me. Um, and, and, and then, and then moments more than places, um, you know, our 21 days of prayer movement at journey was a mountain that God called me to and met me on for this building project that we're in. I mean, I can go back to places where Jesus called me and said, Hey, come, come sit down. Let's talk. And whether it was in a place or whether it was within a movement um, at our church, it was just an undeniable time that that God God called me to His side, and heaven met earth, and and He connected directly with my spirit, as you said, for my calling, for my purpose, for my transformation, for my life, for His kingdom. Um, and I think any any time heaven meets earth and God speaks directly to your soul, um, mark mark down that mountain, and maybe by the end of your life, like like me, like you. You'll be able to have a mountain range of uh, spiritual experiences where you you know you've got some some maybe some 15,000 peaks maybe you've got one big Mount Everest that stands above the rest maybe you've got some foothills but there's no doubt there's a there's a track record in your spiritual past um, where where you've walked with God so closely you kind of you've kind of lived in the mountains lived in the clouds for a little bit as heaven met earth at the place where your soul met
1: the spirit. This is one of those podcasts you're going to have to listen to a couple of times just to grab all the meat, uh, all the, the great in-depth teaching. Pastor Christian, thanks for sharing uh, what God's taught you and, and, and your passion and gifting today. I want to thank you for uh, listening to the podcast for wherever you're at. I talk to people who are on the treadmill, they're jogging, they're uh, driving in their car, soaking up more knowledge and in, in ways to sharpen their faith so they can ultimately uh, live more like Jesus. So uh, be sure to tune in to our Sunday service, either online, uh, either Facebook Live, YouTube, JCI app, or boy, we would love to see you in person at 8, 9, 30, or 11. If you got a question or something you want to share with us, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time
1: on the Activate podcast.